Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. All I did was walk up here. Why are you clapping? No, man, Sandy's got some really skill, man. Thank you very, very much, Sandy. Uh, well, welcome to Wapak Naz. Really good to be with you here this morning. Um, welcome to Christmas season here. Uh, if, if you are unfamiliar with us, we are love people, loving people to Jesus. And uh, I appreciate what, what uh, Nikki said is that, you know, Jesus' identifying mark is, is his love. Um, she looked at me when she said people are identified by their laughter um, because it's very frequent that I will laugh in Walmart, and somebody will peek their head around. And it's like I knew it was you. Um, <laughs> so she totally looked over at me with that. Um, so, so this is not the preschool program. Uh, this is this is the pre preschool program. Um, what most people would say uh, with me as a pastor. Um, but anyhow, uh, we are, we are on a very short series for this month called Entrances and Exits. Um, and Jesus is truly identified by his love. Um, often uh, what people will, will say is that God is identified by what you do and what you don't do. Um, and what you do and what you don't do, what he tells us not to do or what he tells us to do, it actually is one of those things that prevents people from even engaging with God. And, and they miss the fact that it's not about what you do or what you don't do. It's about what's been done on behalf of you. And so today, I'd like to, to step into the Christmas story a little bit and talk about that identification because it was really uncanny that she kind of mentioned that. So um, one of our key texts that's been talked about is Isaiah 7, uh, chapter 7, verse 14. That will be on the screen for you. But I would ask that you open up to Luke. Um, Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 7, because um, that will not be up on the screen for you today. Um, so we'll start with Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And again, this is, this is the prophet Isaiah. This is from the Old Testament. And this was written a little over 700 years before Jesus' birth, before he stepped into our atmosphere and our gravity and took his first breath. And it says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And Matthew kind of defines that and stretches that out a little bit. And he says, which means God with us. And so let's read from uh, the book of Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> And we'll start with verse 1. If you have your Q Bible or your iPhone or what have you, you can pull this up. And it says, In those days, 
Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius, it took a long time to figure out how to pronounce that, by the way, Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his hometown to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David. Isn't it really interesting? I mean, have you ever wondered, like, why do they talk about all those, like, Caesar Augustus's, Quirinius of Syria, Judea, Bethlehem? Why don't they just get to the point? It's really important that we understand that what's about to happen, what we're about to read in this moment, is that God is now going to enter human history. Luke kind of lays all this out. This is under the reign of Caesar Augustus. This is when Quirinius was a governor. This is during the time of a Roman census where people had to leave their hometown. This was a moment in history, human history, that God is about to step into. So, you read those during Christmas and you're like, just get to it. But God is getting to it. But we need to understand that He's about to take His first breath in time. Because God has been outside and inside time at the same time, but now He's entering in time in human flesh. So, Let's get to more of the point, right? So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem in the town of David because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And I had on the screen, we're just going to stop there, but earlier I thought, we need to continue. Who is this baby? So let's continue real quick. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That means you, because you're people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Mind just taking a moment? Just bow your heads. Father, we love you. Even when circumstances in life seem chaotic, still doesn't make you any less good. still doesn't make your love any less real. And in this case with Jesus, 
coming to earth any less tangible. Thank you for coming. Lord, will you speak into our hearts? We've already opened them for you. And Lord, may we just not come and listen and be sponges and soak it up. But may we do something with the truth that you've given us. Lord, illuminate our darkness. I ask this and we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the Christ. Amen. So, you ever wonder why? Why this? Why Christmas? I mean, the, the, the theological answer, the very simple answer is, without Christmas, you can't have the cross. Right? And the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is foundational for what we believe and what we, how we live. Because without the cross and without the empty tomb, this is all for naught. But I think it's more than that. It's way more than that. So uh, an old friend of mine recently went to McDonald's. And as she was standing in the line at McDonald's, she noticed her cashier. And as she got up to take the order and had the conversation with the cashier, she noticed a tattoo above on her forehead above her left eye. And it read one word. And that one word threw my friend. It wasn't a picture. It wasn't a logo. But one word. And that one word was damaged. And it caused my friend to ask some very pivotal questions on the inside of her heart. Though she did not have opportunity to really have a conversation. What happened? What happened in this young lady's life that motivated her to tattoo her story the theme of her story, her narrative, on her forehead above her left eye. And that theme being damaged. That story. That is what she has labeled herself. Think about it for a second. Anyone that makes eye contact with this young lady will have to come face to face with her story. Anytime that she looks herself in the mirror, this is what she tells herself. Every time she sees herself, she galvanizes and reinforces the story that I am damaged. And when I heard about this, I began to think about our story. The story of humanity. Our human history. The story of suffering. The story of humankind being everything but kind. 
being jealous, being vengeful, rage, war, deceit. And I began to think that what she put above her left eye so that everybody could see is really the theme of the story that we write. And then we ask the question, does God care? Does God even care? Can the story of humanity be rewritten? Can it change? Is it possible for it to even change? Is it possible for it to change for one individual, for this young lady? Is it possible for it to change for a whole human race? In fact, I've had a lot of conversations with people. And I've heard a lot of people, whether they are atheist or they have gone from being a believer and follower of Jesus Christ to atheist, yes, that is possible. And they say, I cannot believe in God because there is all this suffering and evil in the world. If God were good, if God loved, then why would He allow? Why would a girl feel the need to put her story above her left eye and call it damaged? So, let's just for a moment Say that God does not exist. God doesn't exist. I ask you the question, if God does not exist, take a look around and ask yourself the question, is there still evil and is there still suffering? The answer is yes. You can look at this past week's newsreel and see the reality of it. Suffering and evil still exists. I, I asked myself the question, the same question this week, with the diagnosis of my sister. Metastatic cancer, stage four. And I sat in the chair and I asked the same question that you have asked yourself. Do you care? So, God does not exist yet. Suffering and evil still is rampant. And most of peace people will say, well, I can't believe in God since this exists. But we look around and God doesn't exist and it's still there. We are very quick to blame God. But if God doesn't exist, then who do we have to blame? Where is the finger to point? 
humanity. Us. Then we must think we are the same humanity writing the same story, writing the same narrative above our left eye so that all can see. Yet we're the same humanity without hope. Without the potential for peace. Since God doesn't exist. But the truth is, and the fact is, that God does exist. And suffering still exists. But people still ask the question, God, if He existed, why would He allow this? But God is asking humanity, why are you allowing this to happen? I wonder if he ever thought about denying our own existence. But God does exist. And the fact is, he entered into our story. He entered into our suffering. He entered into a time of oppression and evil. Jesus Christ, in the form of Jesus Christ, God stepped into the story of humanity. Because God did not bring a story of tragedy or suffering. In fact, He brought to the human story love, joy, grace, kindness. He brought into our story those things. And if you read the Christmas story in its entirety, you realize that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, fully human, fully man, fully God, still dealt with suffering himself. In fact, he was on the run in Matthew chapter 2. He was wanted by the government. And he fled. He fled to a foreign land. He crossed the borders without a passport. God was on the run. In the story of the birth of Christ, there's still evil and suffering. But God entered it. And so, we wonder. But the answer is clear. God entered human history in Jesus Christ. Because when you think about it, we do our best to resolve the human problem with everything outside of us. But through Jesus Christ, God has offered the opportunity to resolve the human problem from the inside out. 
because the world will not have world peace until there is inner peace on the inside of humanity. I heard a story um, in January, the movie, The Last Full Measure, will be uh, hitting theaters. And The Last Full Measure chronicles the story of a young man, 21 years old, chronicles, chronicles the arduous journey of, of him receiving the Medal of Honor posthumously 34 years later. So, it's the story of William Pitts, Pitsenberger. He was a pararescueman, Army, uh, Airman, First, first Corps. Uh, excuse me, <clears throat> Airman First Class Pararescue Medical Specialist. And he's, in fact, from Piqua, Ohio, 30 minutes south of us. And so this movie's going to hit the theater here in January about this pivotal moment. It was April 11th, 1966, just near Saigon. 134 American infantrymen were pinned down by 500 Viet Cong. The firefight was intense, and the wounded and the dead were mounting. Unfortunately, the dense triple canopy of the forest was so thick and so high that army helicopters could not be dispatched. They couldn't land. So double H-43 Huskies were dispatched, two of them, one of them being Pedro 73, in which... This airman, William Pittsburgher, known as Pitts by his buddies, was dispatched on Pedro 73. And so, hovering over the canopy, they lowered the winch, and the soldiers on the ground that were being pinned down were putting the wounded on the litters, and they were being lifted up out of the firefight and being dropped by a nearby airfield. These two Huskies, back and forth, they traded turns. At one point, with Pedro 73 hovering over the dense canopy forest, they realized that the soldiers on ground were having a difficult time loading in the men, the critically wounded. And so, Pittsenbarger, Pitts, volunteered himself to go down, to rappel down, being lowered during firefight. And in fact, his efforts on ground with his medical bag, with his splints, with a rifle and a pistol only in hand, he enabled nine men to be rescued out of that firefight. Unfortunately, at one point, Pedro 73 took on fire and was hit. And at that point, the pilot waved Pittsburgher onto the winch. This is a pivotal moment for him. No one would have thought any less of Pittsburgher had he got onto that winch and been lifted up out of the firefight. But he made a decision and he waved the pilot off. And so now 
with the fighting so intense, there was no opportunity for any further rescue. So Pittsburgh went to work. Splinting, critically wounded, keeping men out of the fight. And in fact, one of several of the men later recalled, Croa, one of the wounded infantrymen in battle later recalled that it just seemed like Pitsenberger was everywhere. Everybody else was ducking. And he was crouched and crawling, dragging people by the collar. And on three different occasions, I glimpsed movement, and it was Pitts. Dragging somebody behind a tree trunk or a fallen tree, trying to give them first aid. Not only did he tend to wounded and did triage to determine who wasn't going to make it, he actually collected and distributed ammunition, collected ammunition from the dead and brought the ammunition to the living. Fred Navarro recalled that he was severely wounded and Pitts saved his life by covering him with two dead bodies in order that those two dead bodies would take on the fire. It got near dusk and the Viet Cong decided to take one more intensive onslaught. And at this point, Pitsenbarger had taken an MR-16 and fought back. Fred Navarro being covered by two dead bodies of his fellow brethren watched as Pitsenbarger took on fire himself. And after four rounds, one in the forehead died. Daniel Kirby, a Company C rifleman, from Kentucky, Louisville, recalled, I was stunned that somebody was coming down to put themselves in that situation. It's hard to believe that someone would voluntarily come into battle and stay with it. Hall said that Pitts, Pitts's descent into the firefight was the most unselfish, courageous thing he ever witnessed. That thing never leaves my mind totally. He did actually give up his life for the guys on the ground. He didn't even know. And he didn't have to be there. I know he made the conscious decision to stay there. On the trailer of the movie, I, don't, I haven't been able to verify this, but one guy asked Pitts, why are you here? And he said, I am here because you are. He came so that others may live. And it's a clear connection. Jesus Christ came into the human story. Came into the story that we write with the theme of damaged. with the world reflecting what's going on in our hearts. He came into our story that we may live, not merely exist, 
but that we may experience peace, love, and joy. He gave up his life that you may live. So I'd like for you just to bow your heads for just one moment. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what theme that you would tattoo on your forehead. But did you know your narrative can change? Do you know your story can change? Do you know that you can be transformed? You know that God can rewrite it. God desires to enter in your story. So I'm going to ask you in this moment, if you would like God to enter in your story for the first time, I just want to ask that you identify this moment with a very simple prayer. And it's one line. It's not the whole conversation. I'd ask that you pray along with me. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. That's it. Jesus, I give you my life. Lord, rewrite my story. Change the theme. Change the narrative. Jesus, I give you my life. Lord, you came that I may live. Jesus, I give you my life. If you you meant that prayer and you allowed God to enter in your life, I'm going to ask that in this moment that you be bold to Raise your hand. Oh my, praise the Lord. Oh, praise your name, Jesus. God, I thank you. I thank you that the story of Christmas is our story. It's you entering in to humanity. In such a manner that we can identify with, but in such a way, so naked, so raw, so vulnerable, but so godlike. And that by that, there is the cross in which you suffered, and there is the new day, the resurrection. Lord, we praise you. We thank you. And I don't I know there are a lot of people that probably wanted to raise their hand, but they didn't. But Lord God, may you remind them that their story can change. That with you, you can rewrite it. And the theme can be love and and peace and joy from the inside out. Lord, I praise you for those that have chosen you, have given their life over to you. 
Lord, we love you. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ today. Amen. As you can tell, the natives are giving, getting restless, right? But before they come in, and we have herding cats, um, I just want us to recognize and realize that in this moment, there are people that God entered their life for the first time. And we need, we, the first result should be praise. So let's give God glory for that because that is beautiful. That is beautiful. Man, folks, we love you. Thank you for listening to the Wapaknas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.